Welcome to Happy to Be Here, your wellness starter kit podcast. This week, we're talking to Lauren Kelly, head of nutrition and community at Sound, sparkling water made with organic tea, botanicals, and fruit extracts. Lauren is walking us through a sugar 101 conversation, everything from how to read nutrition labels to why blood sugar spikes can impact your gut and hormone health, and also why managing your sugar consumption has to do with a lot more than just your weight. I'm big on offering up information so you can make decisions that are good for you versus trying to prescribe a one-size-fits-all approach to nutrition or health. This episode lives up to those standards. There's no mention of any restrictive diets or drastic lifestyle changes. I'm Vivian. This is Happy to Be Here. And here's my conversation with Lauren. I am so excited to have Lauren on the podcast this week. We were just talking before I hit record about how I feel like I'm having on like everyone from the panel that I went to see with you guys locally in Connecticut um, to talk about the same exact topics. I found them so interesting personally. And I think that everyone on the podcast will also figure out how to implement any of the tips and tricks into their everyday routine. Cause I really was, I walked away feeling so good at how sustainable the conversation around sugar, mental health, and overall just feeling good was. So I would love for you to introduce yourself first. I'm so glad that you felt like that. And thank you for coming. It was such a joy to put that on and hopefully there will be more in the future. Um, I'm Lauren Kelly. I'm a registered dietitian, holistic nutritionist for over 10 years. And I work primarily as the head of nutrition and community at Sound. I love Sound. I was going to have one on while I were recording this podcast, but I'm like fresh out. Perfect. (laughs) I wish I had. I literally am sending you a case today. So Uh, so I am fresh out, but I've been having them as my like 5 p.m. somewhere feel. I've mm -hmm. been having the rosé one or the rose one. Um, And it's just been so lovely and such a great treat to offset. I don't drink alcohol. um, Not really. Very rarely. So it is nice to have something that feels a little bit fancier that I can put in like a wine glass and pretend like it is. And and just feel good about myself afterwards. And I really want to start the conversation there when it comes to what sound is and then what inspired you guys to build it out. Yeah, I love that. So first of all, love that comment about how you use your sound. Mm -hmm. I feel like I see that more and more as people are cutting back on their alcohol intake. They're using sound as something exciting and bubbly as an alternative to alcohol Mm -hmm. to have in a wine glass or have – have just in a way that makes you feel fancy. So just to introduce sound. So we make sparkling water that combines uh, certified organic tea, botanicals, and fruit extracts, again, with sparkling water, but minus any sweeteners. So there's no sugar, there's no artificial or natural sweeteners at all. Every flavor just uniquely gets its maybe a little bit of sweet flavor from real um, quality ingredients. So for instance, we have a blueberry with cinnamon and hibiscus. And people are like, there's not sugar in here. And you're like, no, it's from the sweetness comes from the organic blueberry extract. And um, to your point, a lot of people use our caffeine-free. So we have six flavors, our caffeine-free options, which are our rose, our blueberry, and our grapefruit um, in the evening time as either an alcohol alternative or as even just like lowering the sugar in their alcohol Um, in place of like a soda or another like sort of sugary beverage mixer. And then we have two caffeinated flavors. They're only about 45 milligrams of caffeine. So only about half a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. That's our tangerine with lemongrass and green tea, which is my (laughs) total favorite. I drink it every day. The rose one is Um, my favorite for sure. uh, And the fact that you called it rose, like I love that. And so many people do that too. So it's like, you know, feels fancy. 
Um, and then we have our blood orange, vanilla, and black tea as well for the morning. And then the last flavor we have is lemon with thyme and white tea, which is only five milligrams of caffeine, which is less than an ounce of dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. So that's a real like citrus soda flavor, um, but again, sans sweeteners. So I was so excited to have this conversation, especially because the products obviously are sugar-free and that when we're talking about that, a lot of times we don't even know what that means or like what added sugar means or how to distinguish what, what how that will actually impact your life and the day-to-day. Um, and I love that on the panel, a lot of the conversation really did anchor around like what sugar does to your mental health and where sugar comes from, right? I think starting with alcohol is a really great one because you explained so perfectly just like the high and the low that comes from having wine, for instance, in the evening and the sugar that's associated with that. Yeah. So, I mean, added, it's a very confusing conversation because a lot of the times you'll see even juice, it says mm-hmm. without added sugar, but juice is sugar. Mm-hmm. So it's very confusing in terms of labeling or it'll say like, you know, sugar-free, but then it has all these sweeteners that maybe make you feel gassy Mm -hmm. or bloated or all of that. So we're really trying to just make it clear that it's no sugar and no sweeteners at all in terms of sound. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to answer your question before, which I didn't get to about why sound was created. um, So my husband co-founded the company or started the company eight years ago now, and shortly thereafter joined with his co-founder, Salim, who was his, um, he was working with at the time. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it was he was like one o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, I want something mm-hmm. crisp, refreshing, carbonated, but I don't want soda because of the sugar. And I'm not a big coffee drinker. This is before we had <laughs> two kids. Um, and so, you know, he was like, I like tea. I like iced tea, um, but I don't want any of the sweetener of it. So um, basically what he did is he came home and he brewed tea, put it in the freezer to cool it, and then carbonated it with a soda stream and just got, you know, creative about the flavors and whatnot and started with caffeinated because that's what he was looking for at one o'clock. And then kind of went from there and just explored the way to make, and then him and Salim worked together to make these flavors, again, taste sweet or taste exciting or citrusy or whatnot without any of the added added junk. So just to step back on that question. And then in terms of the way that it impacts us, I think it's so unfortunate that generally in our society, when we think about added sugar, we're thinking about weight, right? How does it impact our weight? But really the mental health impact is enormous, you know? So um, for example, when you have a lot of added sugar at night, which we can dive into how to figure that out if you like. I definitely um, ends like. <laughs> up, Okay. It ends up leading to disrupted sleep. So maybe you conk out real quick, mm-hmm. but then you end up having more restless sleep and that leads you to feeling more fatigued in the morning. When you feel more fatigued in the morning, the first thing you go for is generally caffeine mm-hmm. or maybe a carb-heavy breakfast, which is going to make you feel not so great an hour later. And then you end up with this vicious cycle of needing more carbohydrate, more added sugar, more um, caffeine in order to feel um, more energized. But it's really like this up and down all day, and we want to look for stability. So you wake up in the morning, you want more carb, more caffeine, then you might feel an hour later sluggish, and then again, you want more carb, uh, more added sugar, and it's just like this vicious cycle. You sleep poorly again that night and over and over and over again. And 
that can lead to feelings not only of fatigue, but depression um, and anxiety and just general stress. So having a more stable blood sugar helps reduce that. Walk me through how to get there, right? Because another thing that you mentioned, especially around the fact that a lot of times the conversation between sugar and weight are like so interconnected, but there's actually so much more expansiveness there. Um, And there's also, I think you and in listening to you talk about these topics, it's also been really permissive in that sometimes it's not sustainable to say I'm cutting out everything all at once, right? But it's like, how do I make sure that I know how much I'm even intaking from the get? Yeah, exactly. Not a big fan of like cutting out entire macronutrients or even cutting out all added sugar because it's just not, like you said, sustainable. It's not realistic for most people. And then we get into this vicious cycle of not feeling good about what we're eating and feeling guilt. And that's not great either. So like you said, I think it's about making small steps. So for instance, a lot of the times when I worked with clients historically, um, one-on-ones or educating, start in the morning, you know, in the morning, a lot of the times when we think of sugary beverages, we think of soda and we think of juice. Um, they have the same amount of sugar, pretty much. You're going to have those same high and low impact from it. We don't always think of our coffee and our tea beverages, mm-hmm. even like the prepackaged, like cold brew coffees. Like, look, sometimes the first ingredient or second ingredient is added sugar. Um, so starting our day with fluids like water, a more protein-rich breakfast, and then let's say you put you know, two tablespoons of sugar or two packets of sugar in your coffee in the morning, just cut back to one and have it with the protein-rich breakfast instead of on its own. And you'll notice a better impact on your blood sugar just starting there. Um, So that's a good first place to start. Or even if you drink a cup of juice in the morning, water it down to half a cup of juice or just have half a cup of juice instead of a full cup with a protein-rich breakfast instead of on its own. When you have that carbohydrate or that sugary beverage first thing or on its own, even at 3 p.m., your blood sugar spikes and then your blood sugar drops. Mm -hmm. And again, this is when you feel like maybe a little anxious, you feel sluggish, and you need something else to bring your energy back up. And usually our body's like more carb, more sugar. So if you start your day off with more protein along with some of that sugar, it tends to be better for cravings throughout the day. And it's the same thing that you talked about too when it comes to when you're drinking wine or alcoholic beverages, right? Like it does that Mm -hmm. same kind of spike and then drop. Yep, exactly. And that's the thing with alcohol, just like we were talking about with sugar before, you end up having this, you can fall asleep really well, but then your blood sugar is all over the place during the night. And that leads to more restless sleep. Maybe you feel hot, you know, your your body when you consume alcohol is going to focus on metabolizing that alcohol as the number one priority, not any of the sugar you consumed in your meal or anything like that. So um, yes, alcohol can have that same impact. And, you know, there are lower sugar wines out there, you know, alcohol is still going to have its impact, but, um, you know, again, trying to be realistic and some people want to have a drink. So maybe just having like a lower sugar drink, having it alongside, having some, some, protein before it instead of on an empty stomach or choosing a lower sugar wine and not having it on an empty stomach can help a little bit. When it comes to those evening cravings, right? Because I feel like that's what gets you. It's like that early morning, I need coffee, I need something that's going to energize me. And then that late night snack that is totally really easy to grab for. What are some tips um, that people can turn to when it comes to not trying to offset their 
blood sugar levels so late in the night to then have to crash in the middle of the night? I love that question. And again, it's like one of those, let's be realistic. Don't tell people never to have a snack ever (laughs) at night because then they're just going to get so mad at themselves or just feel like put their hands in the air when they do it. Um, So first off, I would say if you can eat your, your chocolate or whatever it is within, you know, 45 minutes or so after finishing dinner, that's like your sweet spot, you know, because if you've had a protein and fiber rich dinner, so let's say protein being anything like chick, chicken, tofu, fish, um, eggs, any of that sort of thing. And then fiber. So any vegetable, broccoli, cauliflower, anything like that. So your, your dinner has those nutrients in it. And then you have the chocolate 30, 45 minutes after your blood sugar is not going to spike as much Mm -hmm. as if you just had it on its own two hours later, then your blood sugar is going to spike and you're going to have more of those negative impacts we talked about earlier. Now, let's say that you ate dinner like me at 545 (laughs) with your kids and like, you know, they're down at 730 and you're like, ah, I want something to eat at 745 or 8. If you want that chocolate, again, maybe try to have a little bit of protein before. So a handful of almonds, a scoop of almond butter or peanut butter, a few slices of cheese or something, you know, before going to the, the sugary thing. And then that will help. The other thing I will just mention is I think a lot of the times when we eat these sweet things, it's habitual, right? Or it's like a reward. And there's, it's not to say that there aren't times to enjoy that, but I think just being mindful of the habit. So let's say every night after you put the kids down for bed or every night after you get home from work or whatever it is, you're like going straight for the refrigerator or the pantry, Maybe try to just get in the habit of taking a second and acknowledging why, you know, am I doing this because I really want it? Great. Fine. I'm going to do it in a balanced way if I can. Uh, Am I doing it because I'm bored or because I'm stressed or another reason? Then maybe it's a good idea to like take a second. Um, If you're bored or you're stressed, maybe like take a few breaths and go in the other room first, work on something else that you wanted to do before. And then it kind of like, allows you to think about what you're doing versus doing it out of habit. Another thing is our brain often confuses hunger and thirst. So sometimes we think we're hungry, but we're really thirsty. So maybe have a glass of water or two, get yourself set set up for the next day. And if you still are wanting it, then like, you know, you're just being more mindful on it. I think two of the things that I really love that you were mentioning throughout this whole conversation is the pairing of things. Mm -hmm. And then that overarching theme of it's not about deprivation. It's about like Mm -hmm. mindful consumption and actually like giving yourself what you want, but doing it in a way that's additive to your life versus like taking away or making it harder for yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's what's sustainable. You know, when I work with clients, it's always let's find one or two things to work on for two weeks. And just like getting into the habit of being mindful is the general theme always, you know? It's like you wake up in the morning, you go grab a cup of coffee first. Maybe let's put a glass of water next to your cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And then you'll you'll like, oh, I need a glass of water first. And you practice that for a few weeks and then you build on from that. But yeah, it's again, just building things into your day and making them feel a little bit more mindful in a world where we're like constantly going. And it just makes it easier when they're built in after some time and practice. And we're also living in such a diet culture, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, you just have to take everything away if you're trying to make your goals or trying to eat healthy or whatever healthy is. And I think that the reality is like healthy is whatever it 
make sense to you. And obviously there are some nutritional guides that can take you to those spaces, but it isn't all about deprivation. Like I think you're mentioning something that Carolyn in a past episode also mentioned, which is like no carbs naked, right? Like you want to have things paired up. Exactly. Um, And I feel like I can't remember if you said it first or she did, but like on the panel, that was a really big topic as well. It was this idea like you want to pair things up with um, different proteins so that it's not sitting in your stomach like in an empty way. Exactly. Yeah. When you have, again, carbohydrate on its own, whether it's bread Mm -hmm. or it's rice or crackers or cereal, when you have it on its own, your blood sugar spikes and drops quickly. And that, again, leads to this vicious cycle. If you have a protein alongside of it or a fiber too, or, you know, even a healthy fat can help just with general digestion and, and satiety, that's going to set you up better from there. So just, again, having those things around and then continuously practicing them is, mm-hmm. is key. Can you talk to me more about how sugar impacts inflammation and hormone health? Because I feel like those are two really trendy topics right now. And I've always tried to get all the experts that I have on the pod talking about this because I think that like the internet can be so misleading on what these things mean. So when I have a real expert in the scene, I'm like, okay, tell me what it actually means. Wait, I'm sorry. The first half of your question, sugar's impact on something. And inflammation. 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 And, and hormones. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's it's not about all sugar and it's not about, um, it's in, in my mind, it's really about minimizing the added sugar and also making sure that you're pairing carbohydrates in a way that are going to be productive for your body. Um, so we know that inflammation is really associated with every chronic disease that you can think of, right? And so when we have excess added sugar, which I feel like I can just delve into that whole topic of like <laughs> where to even find added sugar yes, and all I, of that and too. Like, I, Cause you're so good at also explaining on your Instagram and someone's website across the board, just like how do you even read a label? Yeah. It's so overwhelming. Sure yeah. It is. Okay, let me start there, and then I'll delve mm-hmm. into um, the inflammation. So in terms of reading a nutrition label, so the number one source of added sugar still in the American diet is sugar-sweetened beverages, which we touched on earlier, which is just a mm-hmm. great place to start. You know, So that could be, again, soda, juice, your coffee or tea beverage, and um, like sports drinks. So look there first. Try to cut back there because that's just a— pure sugar that your body doesn't really need. Of course, there's obviously always exceptions with exercise and there's always, I always say, I give general nutrition education, speak with your healthcare provider Mm -hmm. about what's best for you. But generally that's the case. Then you've got added sugar in things like a lot of low fat products. So when you look at Mm -hmm. like a low fat yogurt, it's almost always going to have a lot of added sugar in it because they've removed the fat, which had a lot of flavor and they're adding sugar into that. Um, Other places, of course, are like, you know, the this sugary snack aisle of the grocery store and protein bars and all of that. So what I always tell people is to first look at the, the ingredient list. If one of the first few ingredients is a word for sugar, which there are many, 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 um, like a brown rice syrup, a molasses, brown sugar, uh, dextrose, sucrose, any of those, I would say put it back. There's probably a better option. If it's one of the first few ingredients, that means it's the heaviest in the product. And so it's probably more sugar than your body really needs in that, in that product. Um, the next thing to look for is now, they didn't used to have this, but if you look under total carbohydrate, there's a fiber section and then an added sugar section. Four grams of sugar is a teaspoon. So it's just like, you know, 
think just trying to think about that um, and just know that we're really, according to the um, the guidelines, not really supposed to go above six teaspoons of added sugar per day. Um, so that's just like a general guideline to look at. I say look at your entire day with a dietitian nutritionist, like write it out. And then instead of cutting out things that are high sugar, like yogurt, uh, low, low fat yogurt or cereal, look for lower added sugar swaps. So let's say you love Cheerios or cinnamon toast crunch or something, and you don't want to give it up. Cool. Like let's look at lower sugar, lower added sugar cereals. So three wishes or magic spoon. If you look at them side by side with like your cinnamon toast crunch or whatever cereal you're eating, you'll see how much there's much lower added sugar in those. Um, if you're, uh, you love your protein bar, um, but a lot of those are glorified candy bars and they have, let's say 10 grams of 10, um, grams of added sugar, look at a lower sugar, lower added sugar option. And, um, there's not a lot out there. My favorite is elemental superfoods, but yeah, I think that that's the key is just like making those swaps and reading the labels, looking for the first few ingredients and looking at added sugar and trying to keep that number as low as possible. You guys have an amazing report on your site mm-hmm. that is like so beautiful. And I just scroll through it <laughs> and it has such great examples of like what these swaps are. Like yeah. even from like that protein bar to a chomps mm-hmm. or like what you can switch out for. So I'll make sure to link that in the show notes because I think it's an easy way to to figure it out. And I love, again, I keep saying this, but it's because like I believe that health and wellness is so unique and particular to every single person. And like, it's about becoming sustainable and meeting goals that make sense for your life. So it isn't about like removing everything, but even figuring out where you are. Cause I think that a lot of these questions are things that we don't think about. So I don't know how much added sugar I'm adding to my life every single day, unless I'm actually sitting and figuring it out. Um, and then making a decision from like that place of knowledge. Right. Exactly. I think that that's such a great point. Making a decision out of a place of knowledge, you know, being an informed consumer and marketing is very confusing. And I always say, if you are looking for any answer in nutrition, if you Google it (laughs) well enough, you'll find the answer that you want. Cause like, Mm -hmm. there's just so many conflicting, so many, so much conflicting information. Yeah. The weight of sugar report we have on our website um, is incredible. We have this, um, low added sugar challenge that we do in January and that kind of launches it the last few years. And it's, again, the idea of these are places where you can find added sugar. These are ways to cut back swaps, like you said, and even just interesting facts, like related to marketing, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a study that showed that when you go to the grocery store, there are 30 locations for soda in many grocery stores. You know, so you're just like hit over the head a lot of times Mm -hmm. with things um, just just because of the way that our our system Mm -hmm. works. And then it does include some interesting facts. Again, we tend to focus a lot on sugar's impact on weight, but Mm -hmm. it has a huge impact on oral health, skin health, mental health, gut health, Mm -hmm. so many things in our body. Uh, So it's just, it's a great resource. Thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> of course. And that's a good segue because I want to hear more about like, if you can give me the high level on how it impacts gut health, inflammation, mm-hmm. hormone health yeah. um, as starting points. Great. I think that a lot of people have those questions that they're sitting with and they just want like, I don't know. I think it's hard in this space. I mean, for me personally, to make the connection between 
oh, like these things don't exist in vacuums, right? Mm -hmm. Like my hormone health is connected to what I eat. It's connected to how I sleep and kind of all in one. Yeah. And I think that's understandable. It's generally Mm -hmm. the way our our medical system works and our medical system isn't amazing. And I think we have a lot of things that are great about it, but it's hard for one, you know, we've compartmentalized a lot. Yeah. Uh, So in terms of- such a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the gut health component, we have bacteria that live in our gut, mostly in the colon, which is the bottom of our intestine. Mm -hmm. And those bacteria, you might have heard of the word gut microbiome, Mm -hmm. right? And there are different types of bacteria that live there. And we feed them with what we eat. So again, the bacteria are those probiotics. Mm -hmm. The food that they eat are prebiotics. Prebiotics are the food for the probiotics. So when we eat you know, foods that are really rich in soluble fiber. So that's like beans, ground flaxseed, chia seed, you know, the insides of an apple or a potato, berries. These help feed the good bacteria and keep them alive and thriving. So that's good for inflammation because it helps produce things. It helps those bacteria without getting too complicated, produce things that lower inflammation in our body. When we consume too much added sugar, it changes the bacteria that are more predominant in the gut. And it does it in a way that isn't beneficial for inflammation. There's less of those beneficial compounds being made, and it therefore triggers more inflammation in the body. You know, our gut lining is a very delicate thing. It's one thin layer of cells. So when things get off kilter, sometimes those that cell lining can break apart and think, you know, proteins and other food components can pass through and trigger inflammation in the body, which can then make it harder for the gut lining to reseal. Um, So that's why you'll sometimes see when people have a lot of inflammation that they go on this, you know, a lower added sugar diet. They cut Mm -hmm. out things that can be more inflammatory for people like gluten, certain types of dairy, even some Mm -hmm. types of nuts for some people to kind of calm down the gut. Mm-hmm. reseal the lining. And then again, it's, it's always evolving, you know, your individual state of what you can do. So maybe they can add some whole wheat sourdough back in after a few months of that or whatever, and they feel fine on it because their gut lining is in a good place. Um, so I think a lot of times generally in nutrition, we tend to villainize whole food groups, which I kind of touched on earlier. We villainize carbs, we villainize fats, we villainize animal proteins, we villainize added sugars again. And it's, it's really about, like you mentioned, each individual and where they're at in that stage of their life and what's working for them. It's not like a blanket statement for everyone or even for that person forever. Mm-hmm. I love how it's iterative, right? Like Exactly. And it really is about healing for sustainable mm-hmm. longevity versus just being like, oh, this is an, a quick, easy fix, which sometimes I think that the culture just pushes us towards finding like, what's the quick thing that of can course. fix this? Yeah. Um, and that's just not realistic because it's also really hard to keep up something if you're like, I'm just going to forget how I've been living my life up until yeah. now and do something completely different. No, because then you're in those situations where you're out to eat at your favorite restaurant that yeah. you used to eat at a month ago and you're like, <laughs> uh, I really want to eat that and you do, or you really want to eat that and you don't and you feel crappy mm-hmm. about it because you want to, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think like you said earlier, is such a great point. It's like having that knowledge backing allows you to like mindfully decide and like yep. make that educated decision one way or or the other. What other things around sugar, sound, kind of all of the above, would you want someone to walk away with from this conversation? Yeah, I love that question. So 
I think that the key, you know, not to not keep saying the same thing, but like to know that in no way, shape or form as sound as a brand or me as an individual saying like, never, ever have added sugar. Like it's the worst thing ever. But again, to like, look at your day and see where can I cut back a little bit? You know, like maybe I'm eating milk chocolate. Let me try just like a 70% and, or even just do one square of that and one square of the milk and see how your taste evolves or changes. Or let me just try to mix half of my cinnamon toast crunch with half of the three wishes cereal or whatever, and just see how it goes, you know, and um, not feel like you have to make these dramatic choices. Uh, but also just to acknowledge that we have the power to educate ourselves. I think it's important to work with a nutrition professional. It is overwhelming. The grocery store is overwhelming. It's not your fault. You know, like um, I always say, I could break down every section of the grocery store, like the chips section, the kids' food section, and it would be like a whole lecture in itself. Um, so I would say just knowing that like you have the control, small small changes made consistently lead to big results. Um and then in terms of like the sound component of sugar sweetened beverages, unsweetened doesn't have to taste boring, you know? It tastes so delicious. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I think that we tend to often think, you know, oh, I can't have my sugary beverage, so I'm just going to drink water all day and water's boring or like water and lemon. Like who wants to just drink that all day? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but I'm, I know. I'm, I'm like, I love water. <laughs> but, but like, I get it. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. I want to have something fun to drink sometimes. And it can be really good. It doesn't have to be one note or flavorless just to just to reach that goal of like lowering your unsweetened beverage. And on that same topic of like making small changes, let's say you drink a sugary coffee in the morning, pair it with your protein-rich breakfast. That's You've already made a good change. But And then let's say you always have a soda at 11 and a soda at 1. Just switch one soda for an, a low sugar beverage, and that will—that's like 36 grams of sugar right there that you've cut back on. Um, so again, the small changes—it makes such a difference. And it's also, I think, you've made such great points around the fact that learning that information, understanding how to read a nutritional label, understanding what you're consuming in a regular day. Um, it makes a difference so that you feel more empowered when you do choose to drink the soda. Right. When you're like, I am going to enjoy this soda today because we're at a barbecue and it is what it is. And like, this is beautiful. Right. But then knowing that like, I can do that and feel so good about that decision because I understand what the rest of my day has looked like or I understand mm-hmm. what the remaining of my week is going to look like or whatever it may be. Um, and I think it's one of my favorite parts about this podcast is the fact that I get to just hopefully ask the right questions so that people feel a lot better in how they are living their lives because it's not about deprivation. It's about just understanding what you're consuming or what you're letting into your life because it kind of all impacts your mental health. Yeah, I think you're completely right. What you're actually consuming and then your feelings towards what you're consuming Mm -hmm. is going to impact how you feel after. And I encourage people to, you know, maybe just see how you feel an hour after mm-hmm. the sugary be- breakfast that you had versus an hour after maybe you you try out like a protein rich breakfast and just test it out like take little notes for a week and i think that that's just that insight that you gain gives you power and makes you feel good a thousand percent and like i have i did wow week with indigo wellness um carolyn who's been on the podcast 
Um, we did it, I think, over a little over a month ago now. And a few of the things that stuck from that week was the lemon water in the morning, first thing in the morning. Transformative. Like, I just feel so much better first thing in the morning. I don't crave coffee immediately. And then a protein-heavy breakfast and with my coffee. So it's still like the same cup of coffee I was having with creamer. It's still sugar there, but it's like... I'm also having less of it because I'm having so much of the goodness of the other sections of my breakfast. And then I feel so much better. Like energy-wise, my skin is better. Um, And I think that those are all things that just like two little swaps in the morning made such a difference in the last month that it's been like noticeable for me. That's amazing. I'm so, I'm inspired (laughs) by you. I think that's incredible though. Like, you know, those making those small changes and then being mindful as to how they make you feel only makes you feel more encouraged to continue. Exactly. Instead of feeling like, oh, I got to do this. And also not removing things that you liked. Obviously, you love the coffee yeah. with the creamer. Like, cool. Like, you know, we know that having caffeine on an empty stomach can be tricky for, for women, mm-hmm. especially, you know, pre-menopausal women. And so I think it's making those swaps, but making them in a way that just fits into your, your individual day. A hundred percent. And it was really interesting because I hadn't realized how much I was doing that. Like that was the first thing I was having was my coffee. And then I would have a stomach ache right after. I would feel bad or my anxiety would peak because it's all I've had is caffeine. Um, And so it's really helped balance out my mental health in general. So I am so happy that you came on and like dropped all this knowledge because I know people will be so excited to hear this and hopefully you're taking notes throughout. Um, But Lauren, thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure and I'm so happy to be there. Amazing. Where can people find you on the internet? I want to make sure to include that before we jump off. Yeah. So in terms of sound, it's drink.sound. And then me personally is Lauren Kelly, uh, K-E-L-L-Y-R-D. Amazing. I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. I'm adding all of Lauren and Sound's links and social handles to our show notes. Make sure to follow them for added resources. Don't forget to rate, review, or share. Happy to be here with a friend if you can. I'll catch you next Thursday with a new conversation.